0: Hey, Rarecast listeners. I wanted to tell you about a new program from Global Genes called Data DIY. Access to data is essential for advancing the understanding and treatment of rare diseases. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is to be as savvy about data as researchers and clinicians. The Global Genes Data DIY program teaches organization leaders. How to Become Empowered Data Owners and Stewards. If you'd like to learn more about the program, attend an upcoming Data DIY Workshop, or view resources, go to globalgenes.org forward slash data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Helix Biotherapeutics' plant-cell-based platform has been a point of differentiation for the company, a faster and more scalable way of producing protein therapeutics. The company's first product, an enzyme replacement therapy for Gaucher disease, offered a proof of concept of its approach. The company is pursuing therapies for Fabry disease and cystic fibrosis, as well as inflammatory diseases, but it's also in the process of rethinking its strategy of producing bio-betters. We spoke to Jor Bashan, CEO of Protalix, about the company's manufacturing platform, its therapeutic pipeline, and its desire to move towards addressing unmet medical needs. Jor, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the time. We're going to talk about... Protalics, its rare disease pipeline, and its manufacturing platform, which is a point of differentiation for the company. I-, I thought we could start with the manufacturing technology, which uses plant rather than mammalian cells to produce biologics. Why is that? What's the advantage?
1: So, indeed, you're right. This is a differentiator. The procellic system was developed actually by Protalix. This technology, in essence, expresses recombinant proteins through plant cells. The plant system can produce complicated human proteins like antibodies, enzymes, vaccines, and others in their proper structure. Um, There are unique capabilities for tailoring genetic engineering and protein engineering tools for pre- and post-production modifications customized for each individual protein uh, candidate. Uh, Today, by the way, our first product, we use carrot cells. Today, we use tobacco BY-2 cells that were genetically modified to be able to express proteins. Uh, Protalics holds about 25 years of experience uh, in expressing and producing protein in plant cell culture. From a safety point of view, just to answer your point with regard to uh, advantages, uh, unlike mammalian cells, uh, the growing medium that is used for the culturing of the plant cells is relatively simp- simple and contains no additive from any animal source. And therefore, the plant cells do not hold any potential risk of carrying toxins or human pathogens, and that we are uniquely suited for the safe production of protein-based therapies. And actually, once we establish the cell line, uh, the Plant cell culture is is very robust and is much less sensitive to changes in the parameters as temperature, pH, CO2 of the culture itself. Uh, And this actually facilitated in in the robustness of the production process. We use, uh, uh, you know, uh, bioreactors, you know, for production. And overall, the manufacturing process is is simple and straightforward and has an horizontal scale-up
0: I, I think anyone I think, who I think anyone who yes, saw your manufacturing would be immediately struck by the fact that you're not using conventional stainless steel bioreactors, but instead yes. disposable polyethylene Plastic. bags. What's what's the <laughs> benefit of this?
1: It's very simple. Okay, and actually to establish a line in a couple of dozens of millions of dollars and not hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, you can actually, because the the, the biggest uh, bioreactor is 800 liters, so you can actually, as I mentioned earlier, you can uh, horizontally scale up the process as needed, depending on the quantities and the expression levels, of course, from a protein to a protein. Uh, yes, and indeed it's very unique. I mean, it's totally different, and of course it's also different to do generics to that. Um but I would like to say that i I think uh, I don't want that you know that the cost will be uh, the main advantage. The cost is you know to establish such a system such a system is indeed low. however, we can express complicated proteins uh as can be done with cho systems and you know by the end of the day, it's per the specific proteins. I think the differentiation will be in addition. You know, to the system and the protein itself. And our intent is to develop going forward beyond the two main drugs that we have today. You know, we, I'm speaking about the early pipeline in the future uh, to develop uh, new proteins or proteins with differentiation that address real unmet needs. They are not in any, let's say, biosimilar or something close to generic. We plan to be an innovative company.
0: I, I can see the advantages for the. Prefer- producing biologics this way, but I'm wondering whether it presents any benefits that are specific to rare disease therapies where you focus some of your early efforts.
1: So, uh, from my understanding, again, I, I I don't know if I need to apologize, but I'm only six months in the company, <laughs> uh, this, uh, this system suits to complicated uh, proteins such as uh, enzymes, and uh, at least the idea at the very beginning, we speak about uh, over 20 years ago, was to develop uh, an enzyme replacement therapy for Gaucher. And actually today there are three similar actually, enzymes on the market, the J-enzyme one, Shire one, and ours, which we work with uh, Pfizer. Uh, and the second one is also an ERT, but actually it's a biobetter. Because the current two enzymes on the market for, for breed disease uh, the same are our, our pure enzymes to some extent. We add we added the peg, so there is a pegylation uh, in addition to the uh, to the enzyme. And actually, the pegylation created a situation that our half life is 80 hours, which is way more than our commercial competitors. Uh, and it also uh, improved the immunogenicity in the body. So overall between, let's say, an infusion to infusion every two weeks, we see uh, enough quantity of an enzyme in the system that, uh, that the, the patient can can enjoy, if I may say, or, or use for their needs. And this is a major uh, advantage. And we aim, again, this is not a done deal, of course. We are under a submission process of an accelerated approval, subject to phase 1-2, and we are under... We are conducting now a a pretty robust, if I may say, phase three program. The main clinical trials in Fabry is a head-to-head double-blind study against Fabryzine. We enrolled 78 patients, progressive Fabry patients. Two-thirds were switched to our drug, and one is on Fabryzine. And the aim, the main endpoint, I mean, discussed with the FDA to show superiority over uh, Fabryzine in an EGRP slope, meaning that 20, 24 months into the study, or this is the dosing period, there should be enough of a difference between the slopes, meaning the arm on, with our drug, and the arm with Fabrazine, that shows superiority, clinically superiority, okay? Uh, and, and right now we are encouraged and optimistic, we can get it. I cannot promise, of course, but we are optimistic about it. We have, a ver- we have very good results from phase one, two, We have very good results from a a mid-term analysis on 16 out of 20 patients of one year uh, on a switch study, an open label in Europe from Raplagar, the Shire drug, to our drug. Uh, We have over 70 patients as of today from the different clinical trials on extensions, and the vast majority, I speak about over 90%, choose to proceed on our drug. Uh, And we are optimistic.
0: You mentioned that the company is moving towards developing innovator molecules, but if you think about the enzyme replacement therapy for Gaucher disease or what's in the pipeline right now, should people look at these as bio betters? Are they biosimilars? How, how no, it cannot it? be. I will
1: explain. It's a very good question then. So uh, it cannot be a biosimilar as. You know, our manufacturing line, manufacturing system is totally different. It's not biosimilar regulatory wise. In the Gaucher area, it is true that all three enzymes, not only ours, but you know, the, the, the genzyme, serozyme and the Shire drugs and ours are similar to each other. So this is the situation. In the Fabri, we produce actually a bio better uh, product. Again, supposed to be Superior to the other two or we 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 aim to to show superiority over fibrozyme you know in this main study and and to show clinical superiority in the open studies over Raplegal, so this is a bio better um, my aim is also going forward and again we are under a review process of the of our capabilities and our pipeline to develop more and more if I may say innovative drug drugs and not. Only, let's say, biopetra. Certainly not biosimilars.
0: So, given okay? that given that these aren't biosimilars, does the technology open up the opportunity to go head to head with any recombinant protein be, without engaging in any IP issues?
1: Yeah, but you know, by the, in essence, yes. Uh, I think it's a very much of an economic or financial play. And we have to carefully check each and every item. But I, uh, from what I know so far, and from what I think we will do going forward, it will be not to look into the biosimilar or the generic space of the biologics, uh, but for sure into innovative uh, proteins. Well, with gi- partners,
0: of course. Given the world of molecules you can pursue, how do you go about prioritizing your pipeline? So again, this
1: is something uh, I cannot share much more right now because I don't have clear or let's say uh, very clear answers. We are under review. We also have engaged a third-party scientific uh, advisory firm which work with our R&D and other departments to review our capabilities, skills, and, uh, and our pipeline to look into competition and potential partners. And I think that in a couple of months, I will be in a situation to share something which is very clear to the market.
0: While you're pursuing a potentially huge market with uh, a TNF inhibitor that's in development, I want to talk about your two other candidates in clinical development, PRX-102 and and PRX-110. Let's start with (laughs) 1010, which is in late-stage testing as an enzyme replacement therapy for Fabry disease. What is Fabry disease? How does it manifest itself? And how does it progress?
1: So Fabry disease. This is the PRX102. The PRX102 uh, is a program. Uh, Fabry is a rare disease. It affects multiple tissue. With uh, at, at, you know, the patients could be the kidneys, uh, the brain, uh, the heart, the skin, uh, and other uh, uh, tissues. But these are the main ones. Uh, so therefore, it's treated by different type of specialty doctors, if I may say, meaning neurologists, uh, nephrologists, cardiologists, genetics, etc. Uh, it's a it's a genetic disease, and uh, unlike in Gaucher, where the three enzymes that I mentioned, with the current commercial three enzyme replacement therapies treats the patient in a uh, maybe optimal is not the right way, but close to optimal way. Actually, patients can maintain, in Gaucher, quality of life using those ERTs, of course, once in two weeks, I believe. Um, but in some it's a different uh, situation. Patients are deteriorating. Many of them get to dialysis. Actually, uh, the kidneys, for example, functions much less or in a much weaker situation uh, than let's say, healthy uh, people. Uh, today, the market is about $1.5 billion worldwide, expected to be from outside resources, it's not from Fatalix, of course, uh, but outside the database reports, about uh, $2 billion in eight years, in 2027, around plus, minus a year. Uh, in the U.S. today, there is one ERT approved called Fabrazyme. It's a drug that exists 20 years on the market by Genzyme. And there is a new, a pretty new, I think, for a year and a half, an oral chaperone for, from Amicus. It's called Galafold. This drug aims to treat a part of the mutations in Fabri, not all of them. Therefore, it does not supposed to fit all patients, but, but again, it's an oral chaperone. Uh, an oral uh, medication, for so a chaperone technology. In Europe, uh, there is another drug in addition to these two, which is Raplagal, this is the Shire drug. It's also an enzyme replacement therapy. Protalics drug, the PRX-102, aims to, be, aims to be, and we plan our clinical trials in order to show superiority over those two enzymes and take a major part of the market share, hopefully if we can show superiority, regulatory-wise, of course. Uh, therefore, we we conduct these three trials in in, in our phase three
0: problem. How does how does your enzyme replacement though differ from Shire's or Genzyme's?
1: As I mentioned before, we added the peg, so actually the pegylation created the situation that um, the drug lasts uh, uh, much longer time uh, in the system. And actually, in this respect, with a very low level of immunogenicity, which means, to translate it, that from infusion to infusion every other week, there is enough quantity of an enzyme in the system uh, for the patient to uh, to cover the deficiency of, let's say, its a genetic disease and the implication. Okay? Uh, and... By the way, I mean we need to show it of course in clinical trials. This is supposed to be clinically much better for the patient than than the other two enzyme replacement therapy. Again, this is under clinical trials. It has to be approved by the FDA and the European authorities and other authorities. Just for just from a regulatory point of view, right now Portalix is under an accelerated approval process to so submit a BLA to the FDA. Uh, in Q2, early Q2, I hope it will be April, but let's say April-May, subject to, a fa- to Phase 1-2 that successfully was conducted. We had a meeting with the FDA on October 15th of 2019, actually two and a half months ago, and we got the minutes in November, mid-November, approving us, uh, you know, the pathway to submit this BLA, which is very encouraging. And in parallel, we are conducting the phase three program, as I mentioned, where the main study, again, is the head-to-head double bind against Faberzyme. Uh, there are additional two open-label studies. One is a switch over from Raplagal, the Shire drug that is approved in outside the U.S. And actually, this uh, this trial is 12, year, 12 months dosing and was over. We just now need to analyze all the data. So it will take a couple of months, and then we can share the results. And again, we are optimistic. It now very good, as we published oh, a couple of months ago, over 16 out of these 20. So once we do the full analysis, statistical analysis, we will be in a position to, to share the final results. And the third one is actually a, a different regimen, which supposed to treat mild fabric patients. Once a month and not once every other week. This trial is called the Bright Study. 30 patients were enrolled globally. Uh, last patient in was in June 2019. So we expect uh, to have results by September, October of 2020, analyzed, statistically analyzed, and hopefully to show that a certain population of Abuja patients, uh, our product is, uh, is Fit to be administered once every four weeks, which is a big, a bigger relief for the patients, of course.
0: You're also developing PRX-110 as a treatment for cystic fibrosis. What's this intended yes. to do as a, a treatment for the rare lung disease?
1: So, uh, this uh, we, this molecule of PRX-110 is. Is uh, potentially good for multiple indications. The, the C6 one ones was the one that uh, we conducted a phase 2A a clinical trial. Uh, right now, due to budget issues, it's, uh, we, you know, we need a partner. We cannot do it by ourselves. Uh, you know, there is a combination drugs drug of vertex. Uh, I, mean, I mean, if indeed we will continue to be with a partner that would like to show that uh, our drug can be taken instead of Pulmozyme. But again, it's early stage. We, I mean, early clinical stage. We need a partner to uh, to partner with us. Uh, and I prefer to finish for both PRX 110 and PRX 106 the pipeline review process in order to say. Uh, you know, clearer statements. I'm reviewing the pipeline in order to get there, you know, internally and with this external scientific advisor firm to be able to share what and how we are going to operate in the future within the R&D of uh,
0: A lot of attention in this industry is paid to discovery platforms and, and new therapeutic modalities. How important a role does innovation and in manufacturing play and in improving patient's therapeutic alternatives?
1: If I understood your question right, I don't at least I think that our technology and system will not play a role to have, if I may say generic or biosimilar products as I mentioned before. We would like to go through discovery or partnering with small companies or academia or other partners to develop new proteins or to answer, you know, unmet needs on the markets, but If this is what you asked, maybe I did not understand well.
0: Do you see your technology or other manufacturing technologies moving the needle on the high cost of these therapies? Uh,
1: It depends. It depends also on the, you know, it it comes also from the the target population. Meaning, you know, in rare disease, when you have uh, 3,000 patients or 5,000 patients, it's one thing. When you have a disease with a medium patient, or whatever the number is, it's a totally different, uh, uh, I think, uh, market access approach. Uh, I think that protholics for these complicated proteins can be, uh, or should be, uh, cost-wise, uh, as good as, or aim to be, close, or as good as as the CHO systems. But by the end of the day. It doesn't, I don't think it's relevant to the cost of the drug. The drug itself is being priced by the market needs. I mean, you need to establish a full sales and marketing system if it is only for 2,000 patients with patient support program, etc., etc., it's one thing. If it is something for, thousands, for millions of patients, it's a totally different approach.
0: Jor Bashan, President and CEO of yes, Talix Biotherapeutics. Jor, thanks so much for your <clears> time today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much.